Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy. In this episode, South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez delves into the world of psychedelics with attorney, advocate, and venture capitalist Dustin Robinson. Welcome, Dustin. Thanks so much for joining us today on Florida Business Minds. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Now, you are the co-founder of Ider Investments, um, a VC that invests in businesses, part of the psychedelics industry, which is a global sector that's expected to surpass $10 billion in sales by 2027. You're also the founding partner of Mr. Cannabis Law, which focuses on the cannabis and psychedelic markets, and Mr. Psychedelic Law, which is a nonprofit that advocates for the decriminalization of psychedelics. And before you entered the cannabis and psychedelics realm, you practice law at big name companies like Deloitte and Holland and Knight. So can you briefly explain what sparked your interest in entering the psychedelics market? Well, I started off, uh, you know, at the working in the cannabis space and I, I represent a, a good amount of doctors. My cannabis practice is mainly through my, my law firm and the doctors that I represent started reaching out to me and were interested in getting involved in psychedelics. At the time, I had never even tried a psychedelic, so I was Quite surprised they were calling me about this and uh, asked them to share some of the research. They sent me some of that research and was just blown away by what I was reading. They, they shared some of the research from Imperial College of London, Johns Hopkins, NYU, Yale, uh, just really highly esteemed academic institutions that were doing incredible research into psychedelics. So after geeking out on that for a couple months, uh, decided I'd, I'd represent them, help them kind of launch some different businesses within the space, a couple of different research programs, uh, started investing in the space. And then I had my own uh, personal psychedelic experience, my first experience at the age of around 34. And that's what really drove my passion into this space. I kind of grew up carrying that stigma that they were bad for you. And after reading all the research and then having my own experience and and then being involved in some of the research that was going on, I uh, really thought there was an opportunity to really transform the mental and behavioral health industry with these compounds. So dove fully into it and started representing people and, and also launched my investment fund, Eater Investments, that uh, invest in this space. Now, psychedelic drugs like ketamine, which is an anesthetic, psilocybin, which is a hallucinogenic derived from mushrooms, and MDMA, otherwise known on the street as ecstasy or molly, are increasingly being used to treat patients suffering from certain types of mental and behavioral health disorders. Now, that's despite their classification as illegal substances. So how do you respond to critics that say patients should stick to antidepressants, which are legal? Yeah. So, you know, look, I always tell people, talk to your doctor. I'm, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, a lot of these SSRIs and benzos, they were developed, you know, over three decades ago. A lot of people don't realize that Xanax, Zoloft, some of the more popular SSRIs and benzos were developed three decades ago. And there's been little to no innovation uh, during that time period, mainly because, number one, these pharmaceutical companies are, are fat and happy just getting people addicted to these drugs, not actually getting to the root cause. And number two, mental and behavioral health, the whole CNS space is, is a very complex space. So it's kind of prohibited a lot of research going on. So unfortunately, these SSRIs and menzos have horrible side effects. They do work for some people. I'm not going to say they don't work for everyone, but they're just not that effective. And that's evidenced by us currently being in a global mental health crisis, over a billion people suffering with some sort of mental or behavioral health uh, condition. I actually think that that number is actually way higher than what's actually reported. So, 
you know, I think people should certainly talk to their doctors. And another thing to kind of make uh, an important distinction here is that, you know, ketamine is currently an FDA approved drug. So it's not illegal. You have to go to a doctor, you have to get a prescription. There's a lot of ketamine clinics that are delivering these compounds for mental and behavioral health conditions. MDMA just finished their phase three clinical trials that will likely be approved in the first quarter of 2024. So that will also be legally available. In Oregon, Oregon and Colorado have legalized psilocybin. So Oregon is out ahead of Colorado. They're already launching their program. And then you have other retreats outside of the country. We invest in a company called Beckley Retreats that it's a five-day psilocybin retreat. And, you know, we get to read, you know, we're, we're their lead investor. We get to see some of the, the feedback some of their uh, people leave after going there. And, and just so many people, it's the most transformative experience of their entire lives. So, you know, I'd never advocate for accessing compounds illegally, but a lot of people don't realize there's actually a lot of legal ways to access these compounds. And right now the research is just demonstrating tremendous efficacy with a great safety profile. I think that often gets overlooked. These compounds actually tend to be extremely safe as long as they're done in the proper setting, but they're also shown to be very incredibly effective. Just to give one example, the MDMA phase three trials uh, demonstrated that the participants with PTSD, uh, two thirds of them were no longer clinically diagnosed with PTSD after going through MDMA psychedelic assisted therapy, which blows all the other PTSD medications absolutely out of the water. Most of those other PTSD medications try to kind of manage symptoms. In this instance, it actually cleared them. They were no longer clinically diagnosed, two thirds of them. And another, I think like 10 to 12% actually showed a significant improvement as well. So I think it was over 80% of the participants at the very least showed some improvement with uh, their PTSD. So it sounds like, with the exception of ketamine, which is can be accessed with the prescription in Florida, for example, it sounds like a lot of these psychedelic drugs are still considered technically illegal. But that hasn't kept psychedelic startups from securing millions in investments. Why do you think that is? Yeah, well, a lot of the investment right now that's going on is in drug development, like the biotech industry, right? So whenever a drug is being developed, whether it's psychedelic or not, these are just compounds, right? And so those compounds, there's thousands, if not tens of thousands of drug development and biotech companies that are developing molecules that are trying to get approved by the FDA. Psychedelics is no different. So a lot of those investment dollars, yes, the compounds aren't currently FDA approved, but they're investing in that clinical research to hopefully get them FDA approved. And, you know, right here in Florida, you mentioned Florida, we invested, we're the lead investor in a company called Solera. They work out of USF in Tampa, and they're doing incredible research right now, developing novel psychedelic compounds out of USF. And the idea is, yes, we're investing in them and they can't, they're not legal, those compounds, but to the extent they can develop some novel psychedelic compounds that are taken through the drug development process and they are successful in doing so, those companies have absolutely tremendous upside. Now, as you know, Florida is a conservative state. Um, you know, they opposed legalizing cannabis for years and, and psychedelics are still largely illegal here. Plus, employers generally are allowed to have drug-free workplaces and enforce zero tolerance policies. So is that going to slow the legalization of psychedelics in Florida? 
Yes, I think it's important we make kind of two distinctions. There's two markets here, right? There's the drug development side. These compounds are getting approved. And like I mentioned, MDMA should be approved in 2024. Once it gets approved by the FDA, it then goes to the DEA to reschedule. A lot of people don't realize there's, I think, over 24 states that don't automatically adopt the federal scheduling program. So even once these drugs are approved by the FDA, rescheduled by the DEA, many states, including Florida, will also need to reschedule. So we're actually, I was working on a bill for this legislative session. We did not get it filed, but next legislative session, we'll be filing a bill uh, trying to make sure that Florida is out ahead of this so that when MDMA does get approved by the FDA as a pharmaceutical drug for PTSD, Florida does quickly reschedule. So I think that will happen very quickly. We're trying to get out in front of it make sure there's legislation there to make sure it happens quickly. Um, but then the other framework that's that's basically developing is what you're seeing in Oregon and Colorado, where it starts to look a little bit more like cannabis, where these are not pharmaceutical compounds. These are state sanctioned programs. A few years ago, I actually filed a bill uh, through my nonprofit for a state sanctioned program. It didn't get much traction. I didn't expect it, but it got the conversation started. And it's absolutely amazing how many politicians were reaching out to me, wanted to learn more and understand it. And here in Florida, we have tremendous veteran population. And when you talk, think about you know, the impact these psychedelic compounds, in particular MDMA, are having with uh, veterans, it's absolutely tremendous. So we have opportunity here in Florida to really help so many of the veterans that are suffering with PTSD and other mental and behavioral health indications. So I don't see Florida uh, progressing with a state-sanctioned program like Oregon and Colorado anytime in the near future. I certainly see them getting on board for the pharmaceutical uses, and I think they'll reschedule soon after the DEA. But I do think we're going to start seeing some funding going in Florida. So we are talking about doing some bills where Florida will put funding towards doing additional research around psychedelics for veterans and other marginalized communities. So I think there's a real opportunity for Florida to get out in front of this and really be a leader with psychedelics. Yes, it's a red state. Yes, they're conservative. But the psychedelic world, it's kind of breaking both political spectrums here because of this huge impact we're seeing with veterans. And because it's really going through the FDA pathway as opposed to cannabis, that was really through these state sanctioned programs. In psychedelics, we're getting FDA approval. Psilocybin and MDMA have been designated as breakthrough therapies by the FDA, both psilocybin and MDMA. This was several years ago. So when you have this, this objective data and research, I think both political parties are really gonna start getting behind this in the near term. Dustin Robinson joining us. Next, the path to psychedelic acceptance when Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, invested in lowering emissions and developing sustainable energy for a greener Florida. People's Gas is committed to Florida's clean energy future. Learn more about renewable natural gas at floridasenergy.com. All right, so talk me through it. What do you think will need to happen for Florida to ultimately embrace psychedelics? Yeah, so I mean, I think number one, it's research and data. So I think, you know, the research needs to prove out the phase three trials for MDMA were absolutely incredible. Uh, psilocybin is now moving into phase three clinical trials. DMT just had a great phase two trial with small pharma, 5-MEO DMT, one of our companies, Beckley, SciTech is developing that and getting tremendous uh, data and you're now seeing all these second generation and third generation novel molecules uh, that are psychedelic coming out as well. So 
I think as as research continues to prove out and we continue to to build these these positive patient outcome stories, I think Florida is going to get behind it. But, you know, we really do need money lobbyists. We need teams. That, that's part of the reason I didn't file this last bill. I, I, you know, we talked to a lot of lobbying firms and quite frankly, none of them were really willing to put the the backing behind it that I really needed them to do. Right now, there's a big push in Florida in 2024 to uh, pass adult use marijuana. That's really where the focus is right now, which understandably so. We're very close to getting that done. I, I feel very confident 2024 adult use cannabis is going to get passed. So that's where a lot of the attention was going. But we do need capital. We need people to pay attention. And, and unfortunately, the best way to do that is through lobbyists, capital, uh, and just raising awareness. Because business journals serve a business audience, what are some of the ways investors can tap into the psychedelic markets? Yeah, it's a complicated market to invest into, mainly because of this kind of drug development aspect. My team at my investment fund, I'm a lawyer, I'm a CPA, I've done a lot of reading of the research articles. I am certainly by myself not equipped to determine what to invest in in this industry. You got to look at patents. You got to look at the research. You got to look at the science. Uh, you got to look at their regulatory strategy. There's so many different aspects to drug development and biotech. Very hard is it to be an individual investor trying to pick the winners. So, you know, I think the best, you know, this is kind of self-fulfilling, but, you know, we're a venture capital fund. We do that diligence. So, Honestly, I think the best way to get exposure to this industry is probably through a fund, whether it's my fund or or another fund. You know, I'm really big on just getting more capital into the industry. So, you know, I talk to you know, me and some of the other investors in the industry. We stay very close. We share deal flow. We're very, very collaborative. We're really trying to get more capital because the industry needs more capital. There's tremendous amount of capital that needs to be deployed in order to go through these clinical trials. So I'm a big advocate in trying to get people on board to invest into this space, but it is quite challenging, especially because a lot of these these stocks are on the Canadian exchange. Some of them are on pink sheets and you know it's really hard to get due the diligence required to really understand the potential of these different companies. But there are over, you know, I think there's like 80 to 90 public companies at this point. We actually own a website called psychedelicinvest.com that has a complete stock index. So if you're interested in kind of seeing what companies are uh, publicly traded, you go to psychedelicinvest.com, click on our index. We also have just a tremendous amount of information on all the companies. So yeah, if you're looking to get involved in the in the industry, I think a good place to start is on psychedelicinvest.com. Just tremendous amount of information on there. Okay. And um, while I know that you don't have a crystal ball, uh, but how long do you think it's going to take for psychedelics to be decriminalized in, uh, in Florida, like even a ballpark or a range, you know what I mean? You know, a couple of years ago, I was spending a lot of time on decrim and I was actually making tremendous traction really at a city level. A lot of time this starts at a city level. Um, and so we were talking in, in Hallandale, Fort Lauderdale, a lot of these different cities here in South Florida, Orlando. We had a team out there. A lot of them were very interested. Unfortunately, I kind of got distracted. I launched my fund and I had other obligations, so I really couldn't push it forward. But I would be surprised if we don't see some cities decriminalizing within the next couple of years. As far as the actual state decriminalizing or rolling out some legalized framework, I think we're we're several, several years away from that, maybe you know over five years away from any sort of legalized framework here in Florida. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some of these cities decriminalizing, which is really very different than legalizing. It's just making a low enforcement priority and not allocating funds to arresting people for these, which is a no change change because not a lot of people are 
really getting arrested for these compounds anyway. It's not like cannabis where you got tons of arrests, you know, going on every single month in, in the psychedelic space. There's really not that many arrests to begin with. So I think in many ways, the decriminalization is more symbolic than anything else. Okay. Well, listen, thanks so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed the conversation. This is definitely a topic that I've been following. I appreciate all the information and all the insights. I think it's going to be really useful and quite informational for a lot of our, our listeners. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and, and always happy to come on another episode to dig a little deeper. Dustin Robinson joining us. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.